All right, we want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to everyone that's here today. I want to share a story with you all that I had shared before. Uh, we'll share it again. My sister used to work, uh, one of my sisters used to work at a uh, mental hospital. And uh, where there were residents there who were dealing with some uh, some of them were dealing with some very, very uh, heavy uh, mental issues, really some demonic type of issues. And she talked about a lady, she told me a story of a lady who she thought was a worker there. Um, she thought that the lady was uh, an employee because she seemed to be normal and she talked normal and, and uh, didn't display any of the behavior that some of the other residents there were displaying. And then one day, um, another co-worker of hers told her that that lady was actually a resident there, that she actually uh, was uh, committed to that hospital, admitted to that hospital, uh, that mental institution. And uh, my sister asked her, well, what, why is that? And she seemed so normal. And uh, she began, to, this lady told my sister that, um, she said, you pay attention to how, what happens with her. You know, she's got uh, uh, children that come to visit her. I think at that time they were about 30 years old, uh, a man and a woman. And uh, so my sister paid attention. And uh, when, the late, when, the, when her ch uh, children came in to see her, she greeted them and she called them her babies. And uh, kind of, kind of, um, just coddled them and, and things like that. And um, the lady went on to tell my sister that uh, some many years ago, maybe about uh, 28 years ago at that time, that they were all in a car. Her, her two children and her mother, was, I think, was in the passenger seat. And she was driving. And uh, she got into a car wreck. And the, and the, the mother died from the car wreck. And at that time, her children were about a year old or so many months old and um, said that that's where her mind got stuck. That when her 30-year-old children come see her, that in her mind, they're still uh, a year old. And so she could not move forward in life, you know, because uh, her mind, you know, that, uh, there's this saying that psychiatrists will say and doctors will say, that our minds try to um, shield us from certain things. That's the reason why so many people, they experience some kind of trauma in their life and their mind will block it out. They won't have any memory of whatever trauma it is that they've experienced uh, because something in their mind blocks it out. But that does not stop the, the fruit of it. And it's really a ploy of the devil because if you can't go back and address the trauma, then you have no way of fixing the fruit of that trauma. Does everybody understand that? You don't, you don't know who to forgive. <laughs> All you know is that you're mad about something and you have an anger problem, but you don't know who to forgive if you don't, if, if everybody understand. So the Lord ain't locking your mind out of the, out of the trauma because you need to forgive people, uh, you know, if, if, if that's the case. And so, this woman was locked in. 
and had been for almost 30 years at that time. And, you know, now it's been a, a, a little bit over 40 years if the woman is still living. Uh, but it, let's say she may have been 25 back then. And she, wherever her mind was back then, uh, that's what she's stuck at now, if that make any sense. And so uh, she, she just could not fathom uh, losing her mother in, 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 that, in that way. And so because she could not fathom it, uh, her mind got stuck where it is, where it, wa where it was on that day. On that day, she relived that day all the time, but just never to the point where she comes to that place where her mother's life is taken. It's always right before then. In her mind, her mother's still alive, just haven't came to see her in years. Does everybody understand that? So the Bible tells us uh, that it is appointed to man once to die. Wants to die, you know, and um, that's something that I'm very familiar with. Uh, some of us, we may have lost one or two people in our life, and uh, maybe at, especially after we got older. Uh, most of you were uh, fortunate enough to have both of your parents see you graduate from high school and see you into adulthood. Everybody didn't have that, that uh, pleasure, you see. And so from the time I was I was three years old going to funerals, you know, and people have applauded the idea that I have a big family, you know. Like I said, my grandmother gave birth to 18 children, and, and we're not going to even get on my daddy's side with they 20 and 25 children, you know, in, in some instances. So they, they say, well, you know, when I talk about family, they say you're blessed to have a big family and also blessed to see the Lord take them. Does everybody understand? The bigger your family, the, the more funerals is going to be there. Now, I've accepted from a young age that death is a part of life. Does everybody understand that? But what happens is when we don't want, we, we want to stay away from it, and we don't want to uh, really come to terms with the idea of it, then things will happen that will cause us to get bitter against God. God have a right to take what belongs to him. His word says that all souls are mine. So he has a right to take what belongs to him. All we get to do for the time being in this earth is borrow people and be thankful that we're in their presence for a little while on this side. But God has a right to take what's his. Now what happens is people don't accept the word that it is appointed to man once to die or whatever it is that, you know, in God's word that they have a that they don't like particularly. And because of that, they get stuck. Does everybody understand? So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. Third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. But 
We're going to start reading at verse 1. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll start reading at verse 1. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Everybody see that? Let's read that again. Now, let's be careful. Let's, let's, let's pay close attention to that. To everything there is a season and a time. To every purpose under the heaven. Does everybody see that? So every purpose has a time. And everything, uh, there's a season. So you're dealing with uh, purpose and things. And you're dealing with times and seasons. So nobody gets to avoid any of that. I believe for the most part everybody loves to be happy. Nobody likes to be sad about something. Everybody loves to have everything flowing the way it's supposed to, and nobody likes disappointment. Everybody loves when the sun is out. Nobody likes it when it's dark. Everybody loves it when lives are born into this earth, most of us anyway. Nobody likes it when people leaving this earth, most of us. But the Bible says that there's a time. Does everybody understand that? And we don't know what life is if we don't know what death is. We don't know what sunshine is if we don't know what darkness is. We don't know what happened. There's no such thing as happiness if there's no such thing as sadness. Does everybody understand that? And so God gives us these extremes, one opposite of the other, so we can differentiate and we'd understand the blessings of God if we understand the, the curses. Other than that, everything is the same. And then you'd be complaining that life is dull. Does everybody understand that? And so God has to make a difference, and we see that from the beginning of time. He put the tree of life and the tree of death in the same garden to show us that there's a contrast. He said, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Does everybody understand that? So he, he, he gives us those two extremes in everything so that we, we understand that when good is happening, uh, that it is good. You don't know good if you don't know bad. Does everybody understand? How many of us in here are well today? In our bodies, feel well. How do you know you feel well? How do you know? Unless you've been sick. Does everybody understand that? And so you don't appreciate the wellness. What are you thanking God for? If you've never been sick, never been throwing up, never had a fever. Does everybody understand that? So God gives us those extremes for a reason. So let's read verse 2. It says, a time to be born and a time to what? Die. Isn't that something? And you know people get mad and bitter against God because he takes what belongs to him. <laughs> Isn't that something? 
A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Everybody see? A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to what? Lose. And all we want is happy, happy, joy, joy. If my life ain't going exactly the way I want it all the time, then this ain't life and God some kind of way done turned his back on me. In the spiritual realm, you look schizophrenic. You haven't accepted life yet, and you're going to live a whole life disappointed. You won't even be able to enjoy the good times because you're too busy embracing for the bad. Bracing yourself for the bad. I'm telling you, it's going to be good times and bad times. God made that clear. In this life, you're going to have tribulations. Ain't no getting around. Nobody gets around it. Nobody gets to live at the theme park their whole life. Everybody understand that? And you, and, and, and you can't even get mad at God about it because even God himself made himself flesh and dwelt among men. You think that was a happy time for him? Everybody understand? <laughs> My favorite time of the year is the year that we're in now. Fall is the time that we're in now, fall. That's my favorite time of the year. But if you ask me, well, you know, most of the time when we, we have a favorite time of the year, and if you ask me, well, Brother Bolton, do you want it to be fall all the time? No. Because fall weather don't kill pests. My wife and I, we plant a garden every year. I'd like to be able to eat some of the food before the pests get to them. So my least favorite time of the year is probably wintertime. I don't like it just naturally so and how it feels to me. But I understand I'm not the only one that live in this world. There are some farmers that love wintertime because they love to actually be able to eat what they planted in the ground. Do you know without winter weather, cold weather, it would be a plague all the time? You would be plagued with certain pests. So God brings about that whole circle of life to balance it. And that, that's the way it is in your life. God allows you to mourn. He allows you to weep. He allows you to be happy. He allows joy. He allows all of that. He allows death. He allows life to balance people. Does everybody understand that? Because if, if you didn't experience some kind of disappointment in your life or something like that, you'd walk around making a God out of yourself. You would just be living in pleasure all the time. And, 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 and that's what, that's what uh, is, a lot of times is in the hearts of people. They just want to live in pleasure. What does the Bible say about living in pleasure? You're dead while you're alive. People that's just always wanting pleasure. People that's just always wanting a good time and wanting to do what flesh want to do. The Bible says you're dead while you're living. And so he sins. You don't know what good weather is 
if you don't know what bad weather is. So he sends all of that. I don't like walking in the rain. You know, the umbrella to me, they might as well just about do away with that. How many of you have mastered getting in your vehicle with an umbrella? I know I haven't. You know, you, 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 you're safe walking to your car. Then you sit down in your car. Then when you let the umbrella down, what's happening? All the water dripping on the floor. So I'm not too fond of rain, except when I'm inside. Don't like driving in it. Don't like being out in it. But somebody somewhere need it, including us. Because we have a well on our property. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> so what we're going to be talking about today, I've preached uh, two messages in the past. I preached uh, a series on being stuck or stagnant. Uh, uh, well, a message on that. And I preached a message on a uh, series on seasons. And today, if the Lord say the same, what we're going to be talking about is being stagnant in a season. We're going to put those two messages together. How people can be stagnant in a season. In other words, stuck there. You know, you live life. What I've learned is happiness is a choice. Joy is a choice. I lost my daddy when I was six years old. Lost my brother when I was four years old. I could boo-hoo for the rest of my life on those two deaths alone. Or I could be glad that the Lord took them where they really belong. Everybody understand? And us being stuck in a season is depending on our attitude that we had while we were in that season. Does everybody understand that? Now, one thing I know about God is he's not, the, he's not the principal that's trying to just get you out of his school. You can stay there for as long as you like, that's, but it's up to you how long you stay there. Um, when I was going through school from kindergarten to 12th grade, I made up, I'm, up my mind, I'm not going to fail. I cannot see myself failing. I'm going to do what it takes to move on to the next grade. Because I don't want to have to get to know a class under me. And I don't, I already ain't too fond of school. And I don't want to have to repeat it. What, what, what sense does it make to repeat what I don't like? I'm going to dig my heels in right now. And I'm going to just go through it. I'm not going to fail a grade. I'm a, I, and and that's, that is my mindset when it comes to the things of God. I'm only be here a few years anyway. I don't have time to be failing. Does everybody understand that? I don't have time to be stuck. And, and you know, if you want to understand, just to give you an idea so you know where we're going and what we're talking about today, what took the, what, <laughs> what took the children of Israel 40 years should have only taken two weeks. They were at the door of the promised land some 11 days after they left Egypt. They were right there. All they had to do was do what God said do, go in and, and, and conquer the land. 
but they let some spies come out, ten of them, and tell them, we can't do it. And their 11 days turned into 40 years. What, what does God have to do with that? And you can, you, you know, that's why I don't believe in pity parties. I don't believe in all this extracurricular junk that folks got going on. Because, listen, God said, God told them, you're going to wander around for 40 years. Do you think he was there for 40 years? Do you know God don't live in time? If, I believe he meant what he said in his word when he said that a thousand years is as one day and one day is a thousand years with him. That was just a few minutes to God, but to them it was a whole 40 years. So you ain't going to get on God's nerves. <laughs> he ain't going to suffer through. That's your 40 years, not his. Does everybody understand that? So, since we know we can't use witchcraft on God, <laughs> why not just do what you're supposed to do? Have the right attitude about whatever season you're going through. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 6, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to what? Speak a time to love and a time to what? You better know it. A time of war and a time of what? And I'm telling you, this is the truth. There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. Now think about my marriage to my wife. What if I'd have had the mindset, I'm going to do anything I can to keep the peace? It still wouldn't have been no peace. To me, it just wouldn't have been no peace. Not, not she might have been walking around thinking that our marriage was tip top. But I made up my mind to believe this Bible. There's a time for war, devil. And I'm going to just obey this word and let the chips fall where they may. If, if you're going to live in my house, this is the way it's going to be. If you want to continue to live here, this is what it's going to take. If not, then you can hit that door. I'll get over it. Does everybody understand that? So we see there a time for war and a time for peace. Everybody understand? Peace comes after the war. Let's get some junk straight. All right, verse 9. What profit hath he that worketh in, the, in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful, what? In his time. Now this is to encourage us. He does those things in his time. In his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. Everybody see that? Does everybody see that? 
So you know even all these things that we read about, the bad things, we, we can think they're bad, except they're not. They're good for somebody. Like I said, I don't like wintertime. But it ain't, just, it ain't about me. And, and even winter is for my good, even if I'm too silly to realize it. So I choose to rejoice in all seasons. Does everybody understand? I choose to have the right attitude in all seasons. That's what this is talking about. Does everybody understand that? Look at what he says, verse 12 again. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Why? Because it is the gift of God. Do they understand? Life is a gift. The rain and the dry days. The death and life. All of it's a gift. Does everybody understand? Peace and wartime is all a gift from God. Now, that, how you look at it, I'm telling you. Now, let's, let's back up to this, this lady that we referred to earlier. She did not want to accept death. If people could fight God, they would. And my mother once uh, was sharing a story of how uh, when, my, when my grandfather, her daddy, was on his deathbed, she was praying, God, please don't take my daddy. Please, Lord, don't take my daddy. Well, what's the alternative? And she said, God spoke to her and said, if I let, her, let him live a thousand years, you still won't be satisfied. So when we're, when we're begging God not to take somebody, uh, don't, well, what's the alternative but him to take you? So you don't have to go through nothing. I'm trying to show you where it all stems from. <laughs> Some people don't want to go through anything. They think of that, just that much of themselves. Here it is, God can come into a world and get mistreated and, and let the world kill him and, and you don't want to go through nothing? It's idolatry at its finest. So let's define stagnant. <laughs> it usually, uh, in the beginning, uh, when this word was being used, it was referring to a body of water or atmosphere of a confined space. In other words, it is a prison. Does everybody understand that? And look at what the rest of it says. Having no current, talking about the water, no current or flow. How many of you ever had one of those big swimming pools? Like a big swimming pool. Even like the ones at Walmart with the big rubber or whatever. That vinyl or whatever it is. So when you get one of those big swimming pools or you go to a pool, uh, what do they normally have with it besides the filter? They have a pump. What does the pump do? Circulates the water. Why does the water have to be circulated? Let me read it to you. The, the rest of this definition. Having no current or flow and often having an unpleasant smell as a consequence. 
So water has to be moving. It has to have a flow. It has to have a current. If it doesn't, if it water sits still, mold and mildew raises up in it. If you've ever had any of those pools, you come out and you see some green stuff. Some of you seen that in people's yard. In the, the pool that they, they got some kind of green stuff there, the algae. And after a while, that starts to smell. Now, this is also true for us. <laughs> God intends for people to move, to be on the move. And, and, and you could be lazy and just don't want to experience nothing and don't want to go through nothing and have a bad attitude about what season you're in and get, then get stagnant. But what happens with that stagnation? You begin to smell. Sin creeps in. Does everybody understand that? So if we think about it this way, if I murmured against winter, if I murmured to God about winter, you know what would happen? He'd lock me in winter until I learned to appreciate it. You just sit there. Go read about winter and what all, how it benefits men. And then come out of yourself and love people. Does everybody understand? So when people murmur and complain about the different seasons that they find themselves in, what they're doing is saying, I don't care about anybody else. I don't care how this season is benefiting anybody else. I don't like it. I was talking with a brother the other day from South Africa. And he was asking me, what, is, what, what season are y'all in? I said, we're in fall. And I told him what our weather was. He said, yeah, we're just about to hit... Uh, Summer here, we're in between spring and summer. So over here, it's, it's fall going into winter. Over in South Africa, it's spring going into summer. He said, yeah, the weather is really nice. And because I love the brother, I can rejoice with him. So this is another thing you have to know. <laughs> when you're going through your winter time, somebody else is going through their springtime. It takes the sting out of your winter when you learn to love people and rejoice when it's springtime for them. But when you are selfish and trapped in your own world and don't nobody matter to you, and, you know, I feel bad in my life, it, you know, it's down the dump. How can you rejoice for other people? You, you do yourself a disfavor. Everybody understand that? So God... In his grace and mercy, he put us around people who, when we're down, they're up for whatever reason. In other words, they're in a different season, and we can live in their life and in their world. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that things are working out for you. I'm glad about that. But when you're so trapped in your season and don't nobody understand what you're going through and ain't nobody ever been through what you're going through, when you're stuck in that, that becomes your jail. And what it does, it shows a lack of love. Because your love connect you live in all seasons at all times if, if your love is where it's supposed to be. Yeah, my life ain't going too well, but you know what? I know how to rejoice for other people. I, that'll bring me joy. That let me, what you, God is doing in your life right now, let me know he's still in control. And I'm going to come out of the season that I'm in right now. 
we can have that attitude or we could be stuck for 40 years or 50 years or 60 years. Brothers and sisters, you cannot curse a season that God has created for you and then expect him to deliver you out of it. Does everybody understand? The only way God gets you out of whatever season it is that you don't like is if you're rejoicing. Did everybody hear that clearly? You cannot curse a season that God has created and then expect for God to deliver you out of it. Now that's the truth for every season that we go into, regardless of what, what, what we think about it. You have to have the same demeanor in every season. Faith is what gets you from one season to the next. My prayer is that while I'm standing here, that you'll believe that I, I love you as my dear brothers and sisters. And, and I'm telling you, I've seen people, some of you even sitting here, stuck and stagnant because you, 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 you think that every season is supposed to be fall, that everything is just supposed to be, you know, the way you want it and, and, and don't want to go through anything. And what you'll do is you'll force God's hand to just keep pressing rewind on your life. You'll be living the same day over and over and over again. Until you learn to have the right attitude about it. And, I, and I'm talking about people that are stuck at 14 and 15 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, but still 14 in their brain. You know, when you, you have that gift of the, I mean the real gift of the discerning of spirits, when folks come and talk to me, I, I don't see their age. I see where they stuck at. They even sound like that to me. I, I see that all the time. I, I can tell folks exactly where you, I can tell you exactly where you got stuck at in life. Because that's, it, it, you could be 40 years old, and if you got, if you couldn't get over how you were raised as a child, that's what I'm going to see. You still 14. What is it you think that make parents, and some of you got children, what makes parents want to be friends with their children? Because they're the same age. That's what makes parents not want to be parents to their children. I don't want to be a parent to you. I don't want to have to put my foot down and make you have to do nothing. Why? Because I'm still stuck when I was 14 and I was told to do something that I didn't want to do. And so when you come talk to me, that's what I see. You look and sound like it. You're still 14. Want to be friends with your children. Because that's where you are spiritually. You stagnating in that season. So I know it, it don't do me any good to try to talk to you in adult talk. It don't do me any good. You ain't going to see it. You, you, you can't tell a 14-year-old to whoop their child. That's, that's like whooping their little brother or sister. You can't tell them, put your foot down. They, they, they going to curse you when they get older. I don't see it. Why? Because I'm still 14. 
that individual is stuck in that season. Everybody understand that? So what gets people stuck in a season? Two things. Unforgiveness and offense. Does everybody understand that? Wherever you can't forgive at, that's where you get stuck at. I don't care what you try to make happen after that. You can buy all kinds of houses, travel all around the world, and when you get back to where you started at, you're still 14. <laughs> still got the same, you know, we're supposed to evolve. My, I'm, I'm 45 now. I don't have the same mind that I had when I was 25, and I was saved back then. I, I see things differently. I'm getting closer to God. Now I understand now. I had some stuff I couldn't see back then, but now I understand. But you take that individual, they ain't trying to grow in God because they bitter at him because they got to go through a little stuff, through a little something. 14, ain't grown a bit. Still, still got the same mind they had when they was 14. Still the same mindset. Does everybody understand that? When I was growing up, I didn't like green beans. I grew up. Does everybody understand that? And some of you, you'll find it out. You know, you become allergic. When I was growing up, I could eat tilapia all the time. Not now. Stuff changes. What, what I used to be able to intake in my mouth, I've become allergic to. That's the way it's supposed to be when you're in God. The junk you used to be able to put up with back then, you're supposed to be allergic to that. You ought not to be, you know, you get, you get to a point where you don't like being around mess. No, I don't want to hear all that gossip. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Yeah, that, that's, yeah, I can't do that. There was a time I loved all of that, but not no more. Everybody understand that? There was a time, even before I was living for the Lord, I could listen to, to trashy music. I didn't mind all the cursing. I, I, yo, bring it on. That ain't my soul. <laughs> but after a while, you get old. You, you, you begin to understand. This is, this, is, this is on a new level. This stuff is demonic. So you, you, as you, it don't make any sense to me to get older in age and, and to get wrinkles and nothing to show for it. <laughs> Everybody understand? You ought to be growing. You know, some of your friends ought to be able to tell you, you know, you've changed. They might mean it for bad. But you ought to be able to thank you. I'm glad. That's what life is. Change from one to the next. Does everybody understand that? I remember when I graduated from high school, to me, that was one of the worst days of my life. Because I thought, man, there's 200 of, about 200 of us here. I'm going to miss all of y'all. I'm not going to see half of y'all ever again in life. Man, I wish we could just stay in school. I'm telling you what my mind was. I'm, I'm, it was really, I was happy on the side of, I don't have to, school, have to go to school anymore, but sad because I understood some of these people I ain't going to never see again. But then you get to thinking, that's true. 
But it ain't like we were talking anyway. Them folks don't even know I exist. The folks I was friends with, I remain friends with. We, it, it, you know, some of us, I was also the type, it was about 60 of us, uh, first cousins on my mother's side of the family. And I had a thought, you know, when I get old, I'm going to get rich, and I'm going to buy one big house, and we're going to all live in it. How many of you had that dream? But when you get older, you know, because I couldn't understand, why folks, when they, as soon as they get 18, they moving halfway across the world? I understand now. Everybody understand? Because blood don't make you close. You begin to understand why your aunt so-and-so moved out to California somewhere. Got tired of the mess. And a lot of times the folks that's at home, that they stuck there. How many of you ever went back to your hometown and see the same folks doing the same thing? Sitting on the same porch, drinking the same liquor, in the same paper bag. <laughs> then people stuck. <laughs> and then some of us, man, I bet those are the good old days. Were they? You ought to be thanking God he got you out of that mess. Let's look at King David's life. We're not going to turn there, but let's look at it. Let's just examine it because we know enough concerning his life where we can just, you know what I'm telling you is the truth about it. Season one for him, he was a shepherd, a real shepherd, a young boy watching over his daddy's sheep. And he did that job with honor and he didn't feel like that job was beneath him now in in Israel that was a lowly job that was a job that hardly anybody wanted but if you had sheep of course they had to be a shepherd so he he that was his job and he did it with the right attitude and he accepted those sheep his daddy's sheep as his own and so because of that God could move him to season two what was season two? Battle and war. Well, what do I mean? And I'm trying to show you how seasons relate to one another. There, became, there came bears and lions and other animals trying to take the lives of his daddy's sheep. Now, if he had had a bad attitude in season one, well, these ain't even my sheep. I ain't got to keep up with this. This ain't my property. I'm, one, I'm almost out of here anyway. He would not have fought for the lives of those sheep whenever animals came to kill and steal and devour those sheep. Does everybody understand that? So what was season three? Promotion. I got one other son, but he's back there watching the sheep. And Samuel says, well, bring him here. Because I'm about willing to bet that me holding his oil, when he pass under it, it's going to fall on his head. He's the one God have chosen to be king. Why? Because he had a right attitude in season one and in season two. Season three, he's promoted to a real shepherd. But of God's people, then season four comes. Another war. I know I'm king, 
but I'm bringing my brother some, some goody snacks and stuff that they need in this little battle they're in. And he just so happened to hear a giant cursing and blaspheming God. And he gets indignant about it. Why are y'all letting this man stand here and blaspheme? I will cut his head off. And his brother say, well, you, you just a little arrogant somebody. Just go on. Why? Because they know the all fell on his head. Now him being, listen, in season one and two, season one, watching regular sheep. Season two, defending those sheep. Season three, again, made a shepherd. Season four, I'm going to defend God's people. He had to come out of every season rejoicing and with the right attitude to continue to go on. Does everybody understand that? And so what happens after that? Of course, we know the story. He slings his sling, slings a rock in his slingshot and bears it in the head of Goliath and then walks and stands on top of him and takes Goliath's sword and cut his head off. Then he enters season five where the people are rejoicing. You see, so what happens in season one and in season two, he's not embarrassed to be a shepherd. He understands it's a lowly job, but I'll take what I can get. So in season five, when people are rejoicing because of the victory, he don't get proud, he don't get high-minded, he remains himself. So in season five, people are doing what? They're singing his praises. Saul have killed their thousands, but David his ten thousands. They're honoring him. They, they're making him a warrior even above the king at that, of that day. But you know what? He walks right back into humility. What happens in season six? <laughs> Saul gets an evil spirit from God, and David is called to play for him. And he does it with the right attitude. He don't say, well, you ought to be playing for me because according to God, I'm the real king. What you waiting on to leave office? I'm trying to show you how all these seasons are connected. Does everybody understand? And having the right attitude about it. So what happens? After a while, Saul's hatred for David overwhelms him, and he starts trying to kill David. Now we're in season seven. Season seven lasts about 15 or 16 years. And what season is that? David is running for his life. David is trying to avoid Saul. And in all of that, he never just puts his foot down and says, you know what, I'm tired of running. I'm not really scared of you. I really just don't want to kill you. But you know what, if you keep going, you're going to make me do it. You know what he would do? He would catch Saul sleeping, and he'd cut a piece of his mantle off, and then go 100 yards away somewhere, and when Saul wake up, he's there on top of the hill waving it. If I wanted to kill you, I could have. Saul, you see that God's not going to let you kill me. God delivered you into my hands. Now, isn't that something? You see the right attitude? But if David had gotten bitter at any point, at any point in any of those seasons, he, in his mind, he would have been justified in killing Saul. And he would have said, well, because God delivered you into my hands. You don't have to let one season affect the other. Does everybody understand that? You don't have to let how one season affects you, in other words, and what it's designed to do, you don't have to allow that to destroy you in the next season. I'm telling you, 
In life, what I have learned to do is to move. Does everybody understand what I mean when I say that? Some folks, they, they, they lose that ability to just be able to move on. I, I, uh, a few years ago, I got in touch with this mobile mechanic who would come around and fix my vehicle, change the oil for me, and things like that. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I looked at him and things like that. Clothes always dirty, not because he's a mechanic, just who he was. Shoes, holes, got holes in them. See the bottom of his feet. And, and cussing up a storm. And one of the last times he had came over and did some work for me, I was talking to him, and he was talking to me, really. And I, he began to share with me. Now, you let people talk, they'll, they'll let you know why they're bitter. You, you, everybody understand? You know, when you get to know people, you, you really get to know them, and you begin to understand why their mind is the way it is. He's, he said, I'm originally from Florida. And he said, I bought me a mobile home, and uh, I was the first one in my neighborhood. I bought me a mobile home, and I was content. Everything was fine. I owned it. He said, I had a... Uh, Written a, I had a patent on this design that I was willing, I think it was uh, GM, General Motors, that he was going to sell the design to and all of that. He said, I, I, I was going to be a rich man. I was, I was set. First one in my neighborhood, you know, first one to have a house out there. And then something happened. People began to buy up the land around him, and they began to put houses on those lands, have them built. And then all these people, they made the neighborhood, uh, uh, what they call those? Homeowners Association, where everybody had to abide by the rules and only certain types of looking houses could be there. So there he is in the middle of all of these nice homes, and there's his mobile home there. So they tell him, you, you, you got to have to move that, and you got to build according to our standards. And he fought it and fought it, and they drained all of his money. He ended up losing the home. And that's where he's stuck at today. Bitter. Because he didn't, what the, like the old people used to say, live and let live. It could have been God's way of just trying to get him in his will. But if you don't see it that way and all you see is what folks are doing against you, you're going to be bitter. You, if you really believe, you know, people shout all day long, I believe God is in control. They believe that until the devil show up, not knowing God's still in control. And if the devil's come knocking on your door, it's because God have given him directions to your door. So I saw this man. I had a foul mouth, cussed all and I really felt bad for him. But he was going to have to go back to ground zero. Sir, you need to forgive people. You need to see the sovereignty of God in it. But he had just gave up on life. He lost that battle, and I'm, a, and, and I'm sure I'm going to lose all the rest of them. So I'm just giving up. I'm smart. He was sharing with me all of the designs he made. He said, you ever had this in your vehicle? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm the one that designed that. Well, why you ain't got nothing to show for it? Bitterness. He got stuck in one season. And he was still there. Does everybody understand that? Is it worth it?
So after the 16 or 15 years of Saul chasing David, David entered into another season. What season was that? David gets wind that his Saul, his sworn enemy, has been killed. And the man who brings him that news asks him exactly, uh, tells him exactly what happens. Yeah, I leaned on him. I helped him to die. And he had a decision to make. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's amazing now. Now, let's go back to the children of Israel. What should have took 11 days took 40 years. Why? Because of a split-second decision to re reject what God had already said. So David had a split-second decision to make. I'm glad I don't have to run anymore. But what's, what's more important, this man's life or my comfort? His life. And he asked the man, why were you afraid? Why were you not afraid to lay your hands on God's anointed? And David called for one of his men and he had that man killed. So that, that began his new season, his right attitude towards his enemies. I, I'm not going to rejoice when my enemies fall or when they fail. I'm not looking, I'm praying for them. But I'm not looking for them to fall. I'm not looking for bad things to happen to them. And I'm telling you, you'll stay stuck in a season when you're looking to rejoice over the downfall of people because somebody did you wrong somewhere. Does everybody understand that? So then he moves into the next season where he actually receives his, now he's worthy to wear that crown. Everybody understand that? So now he's king. Saul, like uh, David, like a lot of people, he falls into sin. He gets relaxed. Looking out the window one day, he sees a woman taking a bath, hence the name Bathsheba. <laughs> Y'all do know that, right? <laughs> She's called Bathsheba because of what she was doing. She was taking a bath. If she had been taking a dump, it would have been dump Sheba. <laughs> he sees her and he lusts after her. He sleeps with her and he gets her pregnant. And he's just going on about life, you know, not, not really thinking about the consequences of it. Now, here's the other thing. If you want to move anywhere in God, accept your junk. Accept responsibility for what you did. Everybody understand that? And so then, of course, you know the story. God sends uh, Nathan to him to pronounce judgment, to let him know the sword is never going to leave your house because you did this thing. You're forgiven, but the sword is never going to leave this, your house. Your children are going to always be at war with one another, you know, and, and uh, your sons are going to sleep with your concubines under the sun. And the kingdom is going to be taken away from you for a little bit. So he goes back home, and he goes back to a war. He got children sleeping with raping each other. He got one son that gets mad at him and think he ain't done enough to, 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 to protect his own sister. So that son gets bitter against him and runs him out of the kingdom. As David is leaving, now listen, 
David was always a warrior, so he could have stood there and fight, fought. He understood, my son can't whip me. But you know what he did? He accepted, this is the season that I'm in now. I brought an extra winter into my life. Instead of having one year, winter this year, I'm going to have two. Now, I'm telling you, it, it's something to be mad at God for what you done brought on yourself. You show sure enough trapped. Does everybody understand that? So he understood, okay, I'm in the season. I'm not going to like it, but you know what? I brought this on myself, so I'm going to leave. He didn't stay and try to fight against it. As he's leaving, one of Saul's relatives come out and begin to cuss him, spit on him, and throw rocks at him. And his generals that are with him ask him, Don't, would you just let us cut his head off? Let us cut the head off of this infidel. And what is David's response? Leave him alone. God have bid him to do that. And listen, maybe if I have the right attitude in my suffering, God will look down on me and have mercy, and I won't have to stay in this season much longer. So let him cuss at me. Let him spit on me. Let him throw rocks at me. God have bid him to do I brought this on myself. Everybody see that? So sometimes we add extra bad seasons because of the extra bad we were doing. And you'd have to be warped in your brain to blame God for it. You'll never come out of that season. You, well, listen, you'll never come out of any season blaming God and being bitter against him. But sure enough, not one that you brought on yourself. Does everybody understand that? Listen, brothers and sisters, you can't play the victim and examine yourself at the same time. In every season you go through, you need to examine yourself. Every time, every year that I was in school, we had to take a test to move on to the next grade. That was us examining ourselves. Does everybody understand that? So how can you move to the next season when you're playing the victim of the previous season? You can't. You have to examine yourself. And until, everybody understand that. So let's say, for instance, you got five things wrong with you. Lord, I got bitterness in my heart. Lord, I'm a backbiter. I, I, I can't stand being around people. I, like to, I still got strife on the inside of me. And I'm jealous. I got a jealous spirit. So the Lord said, okay, so I'm going, I am creating a season for you so that you can overcome all of this. Now, you might not come to him and say that, but that's, that's what's on the inside of you. I got all this stuff on the inside of me. So God creates a season for you so that all of this stuff can come up to the surface. He puts you around people that you're going to be jealous of, and it's going to be obvious that you are. He puts you around people, period, because he knows you don't like being around people to begin with. He does all of that. And then at, at the end of the season, he says, oh, come on, come on, let me, let me hear what you got. What, 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 do you, what did you come up with? Well, Lord, I, I, I got a love problem. Okay, well, let, me, let me restart. You're going back through the season. 
So you're going through all the same stuff all over again. And then, okay, let's, let's hear what you got. What you got to say, Brother Bolden? I think I'm, I'm just a little, I'm dealing with a little jealousy, Lord. Restart. Let me, everybody understand that. Until you come up with the five. <laughs> Does everybody understand how God works now? Every season is designed to pull the devil out. To bring that devil to the surface. And you have to get from this point of somebody made me mad. And somebody got on my nerves. You have to go from that in order for you to pass and advance to the next season. You have to say, Lord, I got an anger problem. No, they didn't make me mad. I am. I'm just mad. They didn't make me nothing. Lord, they didn't get on my nerves. I just don't like people. I need, I need more love. That's what advances you. Okay, so now we're going to move you to the next season where we can help you get some more love. In this season, you're going to be taught to pray for people. Everybody understand that? But you can make the choice and you can, and listen, when you refuse to see yourself and where you are and what you're really dealing with, you telling God, I'm not ready to move on to the next season. I like it here. <laughs> so let's think about it. Before David gets run out of the kingdom, what happens? After God pronounces judgment on him, the first thing happens is his son that he had conceived with Bathsheba dies. Do you remember how he passed that test? He didn't shake his fist at God. God, that's my son. He, he didn't have nothing to do with this. Why, the kid, you should have killed me. The Bible says that his people were scared to tell him that his son had died. And they didn't know what he was going to do. And so there he is. He's on his face fasting and praying, God, please save my son. Lord, don't, don't take it out on him. It was me. Lord, please don't take my child. Please. And then he hears them in the background and he turns and looks at them. And he could tell by their face, he's done died. And he says, what happened? And they just, they hesitant to tell me, no, just go ahead and tell me. And they said, well, King, your son is dead. He gets up. He t dusts the earth off of his head. He takes a bath. He put on a clean robe. And he began to praise God. And they thought, what in the, are you crazy? You know what it was? He accepted his responsibilities. It wouldn't be, you wouldn't have even had a son. This boy wouldn't have had to die if you hadn't made him. That was another man's wife. He was conceived in adultery. So let me praise God that at least I get to, I know I see him in heaven when I get there, but let me praise God that he didn't strike me down and I got another chance to get it right. Won't sleep with nobody else's wife. <laughs> I'm trying to use all these examples to show you, brothers and sisters, where people get stuck at. You got a, a, an opportunity in every season to either advance or to get stuck. And when you get stuck, you listen, you can't live in two seasons at the same time. 
Does everybody understand that? So he understood, I got to take my whipping like a man. And you know what happened because he did that? God restored to him the kingdom. He died a man of honor. And for the rest of the kingdom of Israel, he was referred to as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he had the right attitude in every season that he went through. There was one time where he almost didn't pass. And it was during that time when uh, he was running from Saul and he come across some people that he understood to work for Nabal, Abigail's husband. And he was hungry and his men were lacking resources. And he thought to himself, well, you know what? I've stood guard for Nabal's flock. Let me, let me send some of my men to go tell him what we've done for him. And, and sure enough, He's going to give us food, he's going to give us raiment, he's going to, you know, provide, he's going to be happy. Those men went and told Nabal, and Nabal told him, should I do anything for the man that turned his back on Saul? Who, am, who is he to me? And David got indignant. And he told those men, boys, get your swords, let's get on our horses. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to be, we're going to kill every, how, every male that's born in that house of Nabal. But the problem, here was the issue. One of Nabal's servants was there and heard the conversation. He immediately went and told Abigail, Nabal, Nabal's wife, and Abigail got all the stuff that David was going to need and got on a horse and rode out fast to meet David. She told David, we all know you're going to be king. You're a good man. She said, do you really want this on you? You might be. Now, he's, he's, he's exactly what his name says. He's a wicked man. But why bring this? You, you've been doing so good so far. Why bring his blood on your head? You, you're going to be king, but why, why would you allow God to judge you later on down the road because of what you did in this season? Don't let him get to you. Hey, look, here's all the stuff that he should have gave you. David said, ooh, I'm glad you came. I'm sure glad because it was about to be some furniture moving. So do you see the grace of God in that? You see his mercy? We read about a king in the book of Genesis, the 20th chapter, who was going through a lonely season. And he looked and saw Abraham's wife, but didn't know that was his wife, and was going to marry her. And God gave him a dream. Now, this is my point, and I hope you connect these stories. If you want to be kept, God will keep you. God will give you a cheat sheet to help you pass on to the next season. This is what the enemy got for you down the road. Don't fall for it. Does everybody understand that? God don't just let God don't just give you a test at the end of the season. He give you the answers to the test during the season. Why? Because he want to see you pass to the next season. He don't get glory out of people being stuck. Does everybody understand that? And I'm telling you, 
our attitudes in whatever season we are in, that will determine whether or not we pass. God don't care how smart you are, how fast you were able to pick up certain things, your attitude, you can be making all straight A's during the season, but just be cussing them out in your heart about it. you get reset. Everybody understand that? If you have your Bibles, let's go just real briefly. Let's go to the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. Everybody there? We're going to, in fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse 10. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last, everybody see that? Your care of me hath did what? Flourished when? Again. Does everybody understand what that's really saying there? Because at one time it stopped. So let's read that. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked what? Opportunity. So Paul was going through this season where he had lack. Where he didn't have the necessities of life like what he should have had. And so he had people giving to him and giving to him and supplying him but look at how he saw it. You didn't, you didn't have it to give. So everybody understand that? I'm telling you how he looked at it. That's how he got past that season. I know that y'all still love me. I know y'all still, but you just didn't have it to give. I'm not mad. Oh, he could have took, took another road. Now that I done preached to y'all and y'all done got your little salvation going and you done got your little church going, you done forgot about me. Here I am in prison writing y'all and trying to see about, and y'all ain't even thinking about me. Does everybody understand that? Verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, in other words, lack, for I have, listen, listen now, for I have what? Learned. What? In whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be what? Content. In other words, what, what do you learn? Lessons. This was something that he did what? Learn. In other words, he went through a season where God was teaching him. You're going to have to learn to be content with what you have. Does everybody understand that? So you see, in other words, you learn a lesson that somebody has taught. It just didn't come natural to him. He didn't grow up poor and just, that's all I know is poor. He learned that lesson. I need to be content. You know why? You know what happened to folks that haven't learned to be content? When they got, they good. When they don't, they mad. 
Wives get along real good with their husbands as long as the money flowing and they ain't got to worry about nothing. I ever, yeah, my husband loved me. <laughs> uh, they doing all kind of stuff together. But you let God press that button to start drying up that money. We're going through. Y'all keep us in prayer. And you, so you ain't learned yet? Does everybody understand that? Yeah, you got Until you learn that lesson, you're going to stay broke. You'll stay struggling until you learn to be content. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 12. I know both how to be a what? A base and I know how to what? Abound. I know how to be broke and I know how to be rich. I know how to have all kind of stuff coming in. I, un I know how to have, uh, handle the blessings of God. And I know how it feels to not have stuff just going my way. I've learned how to deal with all of that. What, what is he talking about? Seasons. I ain't just happy when I got it coming in. I'm happy when I'm being tested when it's not coming in. That ain't, we still going to have family night. And you children go get some sticks, let's throw them. <laughs> oh, we can't afford Chuck E. Cheese, let's just, y'all just pretend. Y'all go get some chalk, let's draw some hopscotch, you know. <laughs> Everybody understand? That's, that's some of y'all's problems. Y'all grew up in a video game age. When I was growing up, there were no video games when I was little. We had to go outside. We played baseball with t tennis balls and broomsticks. Nobody had a bat. Well, that's for rich people. Our bases were paper plates. Everybody understand that? Yeah, we didn't play in a baseball field in our backyard, see? Look at what he says, verse 12. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound everywhere and where? In what? In all things. Everywhere and in all things. Everybody see that? In every season, no matter what that season is and no matter what's going on in that season. Look at what he says. I am instructed. In other words, there's no choice. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to what? Suffer need. He said that, that's, those were instructions to me. So if I'm instructed to go through whatever, I might as well just rejoice. Does everybody understand that? Look at verse 13. So now you understand this better. I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Does everybody see that? You know what that's really saying? I can deal with any situation I am faced because I have God to strengthen me in those situations. That's what he's saying. I can deal with whatever. Whatever comes, listen, this, this is one area that the devil ain't going to be able to get me in. My personal belongings and my needs or wants or whatever. He ain't going to be able to get me in all of that. He's going to have to come with something more besides what I got in my bank account. Does everybody understand that? 
Let's go to the 16th chapter of the book of John and verse 33, just real briefly. Everybody there. The 16th chapter of the book of John. We're going to start reading at verse 30. We're going to read verse 33. Verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Is that what that says? No. Let's read that again. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Not in your situation. Not whether or not you're in a season of tribulation. But in me ye might have peace. Does everybody see that? So that's what allows you to be promoted to the next season, when your joy is really in Jesus Christ and not in your circumstances. Does everybody see that? Look at what he says there. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Everybody see that? Didn't he tell us that? Is that in your Bible? So he's telling you you're going to have tribulation. But look at what he says. Be sad for a moment. Joy come in the morning. Look, in your season of tribulation, what? Be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Everybody see that? So that's the way we graduate to the next season and we keep moving in life and obtaining and, and maintaining in this life and, and that in our walk with the Lord. Our joy is in God and the fact that he overcame the world. When folks got something bad to say about you, say, well, they, they, they spoke bad about the Lord. If folks, if you're around folks that could kill you, and if they could and get away with it, just say, well, they, they killed the Lord when he was here. But he, he, where's he at now? Everybody understand? In other words, it's, it's based on your relationship with God. The reason why people get stuck in seasons is because they've disconnected from God and they've made life about them. But you'll graduate to the next season and move on if you remain focused on God and what he is doing and how he is. How can you be sad when you truly have a sincere relationship with God? Let me tell you about God. One of the greatest leaders this world ever seen Moses, when God took his life and buried him himself, God gave them 40 days to mourn, the children of Israel. And after those 40 days, that, that was it. You ever, that's, that's the reason why God, nobody to this day know where Moses is buried. God himself buried Moses, and he hid the sepulcher. They, they couldn't find it. 
Why? Because y'all will never get to the promised land mourning Moses. They would have raised up some big altar above Moses' grave, and they'd have still been there today worshiping Moses. So what did he say? Moses, my servant is dead. Y'all rise up and go on into the promised land. In other words, the season of Moses is over. The season of Joshua is starting now. Y'all follow him. Let him lead y'all in this war. Does everybody understand that? And my prayers is that we're really here with the Lord is saying today. I hate to see people get stuck and stagnant in a season and live that season. It, it, it would be a sad if you think about it that way. Winter only lasts three, three months a year. It ain't got to last 20 years. I believe we ought to get tired and just be, just be willing to just dig our heels in and, and accept stuff the way God says we're supposed to receive it. Just deal with it. That's life. And you can say, oh, that's so insensitive. And you'll be in your season the next three years with your pity party. I'm telling you, it's life. We all suffer loss. We all go through things. You have to get over it and move on. If not, you, be, you look like those people spiritually. You look like those people who they bury a loved one and they, and they at the graveyard every year. On the day of their death and the day, on, on their birthday with balloons and ice cream and cake that they can't eat. God don't intend for people to live at a grave. And I, and I mean naturally so and spiritually so. When you have to repeat a season, you are living at a grave. Something that's supposed to be dead already. Does everybody understand? No, you, don't, you won't catch me standing above. My, my daddy, next year, it'll be 40 years since he's been gone. And not one time have I ever gone to his grave to talk to him. When I know he's not there. I don't talk to Bones. No more than I talk to that wall there. Does everybody understand that? Yeah, that, he, that flesh has gone back to the dust just like God said it would. And I'm telling you, I don't know about y'all, I feel like I ain't got time to waste. When I go through a season, I, I intend on walking through it, not living in it. I'll walk through it to the next. Everybody, okay, God, what's next? What you got? Okay, so how can I prepare for this? What, what word do I need? To, what scripture do I need to be able to pass this test? Everybody understand that? My prayer is that we'll really receive what the Lord is saying today. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this word that we've heard today, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you will allow these things to be rooted and grounded in our hearts, Lord, and take root. Lord, we pray that you will reveal to us as individuals what season we are in. Lord, how many times we've had to repeat it and what we need to do to not repeat it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to have the right attitude towards things, Lord. Help us to examine ourselves and see ourselves the way that you see us, Lord, so that we can move on to things, other things that you have for us to experience.
Help us, Lord, not to be afraid to live life and to go through the things that we need to go through. Help us to really believe, Lord, that you're in control and that if you brought us to it, you can bring us through it, Lord. Help us to remember where our help come from. Help us to believe your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All righty. If the Lord willing, uh, we'll go back to the back and continue to talk about the things that we've heard today. If that's all now, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.